Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Lee Crusher, and uh, I just wanted to tell you, you are alive. You were dead, um, but now you are alive. I I remember the car just about to hit me, and I screamed out, whoopsie. I don't know why I screamed that, but I did, even though it wasn't my fault. And then I wake up here? Yeah, Yeah. all of your limbs separated from your torso, but... Uh, me, Becca Lee Crusher, uh, the doctor, mm-hmm. I am excellent at just um, pushing the right button to get those reattached. So we got you back in work in order. Wait hey, a minute. Uh, right. Counselor Xander Troy here. Uh, I found some of your progeny if you want to like boink them and start over. I, I, this might be a conversation for later, but like... Wait, am, I like... In the f- am I in the future? Oh, yeah, oh, like yeah. three centuries in the future. <laughs> you guys should have led with that. You really buried the lead there. Sorry, we yeah. thought we'd ease you into it. Let's just go one step at a time. Holy cow. Um, I need to check my email. Do you guys have an Apple store here or an Ooh. iPhone or anything? Yeah, yeah. those are gone. Mm-mm. We don't do There's that no anymore. more email? No. Um, okay, well, I, I funded a Kickstarter, and I don't know if the package got to my changed address here, wherever we're at now. Did you deliver perks before? Yeah, oh, I paid for all of them. Yeah. So we sort of got rid of addresses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I guess nothing in my previous life mattered? That's right. So did it matter then, too? Nope. Oh, no. Absolutely futile, everything you've ever done. But you can start over now. With your not-wife daughter. If the things I do now don't affect me, then what if I wake up 300 years from now? Will the stuff matter now? Well, it depends on if you invested in some stocks or not, because the market's going to be redonkulous. But we don't have currency. That's right. It's the season finale of The Neutral Zone, where we have two plots that mean almost nothing to each other. And a third plot that also doesn't mean anything. What's the third one? We've got uh, time-traveling defrosties and Romulans in The Neutral Zone. (laughs) What's the third one, Xander? Sorry, I thought you were talking about the the stock prices, the the three uh, victims. (laughs) So the synopsis of this episode is after rescuing three ancient humans from cryogenic state the Enterprise is ordered to the Romulan neutral zone on an important mission. Ooh. Mm. And it's the season finale, so it must be a well-structured story that's going to wrap up <laughs> yeah. some of the plot points from the whole season. And I'm sure if we're meeting a whole new race and they're really significant to this episode's story structure, that we'll meet them pretty early on, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's be a little gentle with this one because I want to put this into context. Uh, what happened was this was spark- this the original version of this uh, script was supposed to be part of a trilogy, actually, which would set up a new antagonist known as the Borg. But the, the 1988 Guild or Writers Guild strike happened right as they were doing rewrites for this. So most of the producers and writers couldn't do rewrites. So that was led to, I believe, 
Maurice Hurley, um, mm. who was I, one of the executive producers and writers on the show, had to kind of do it on his own in like huh. a day and a half. Whoa. So I think that's part of the reason we have the a lot of uh, inconsistency in this episode. Didn't they want to make it a thing? Well, it's interesting to hear that they wanted this to be a three-parter because later they always end a season with a to-be-continued. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they were going to do is like lead into the second season with like these new antagonists. But I imagine because of short time, they didn't have a way to uh, fully design the Borg, maybe. So they let it be a little bit of a mystery with the Romulans uh, maybe being a threat. But it turns out, oh, they are having another problem as well. Well, this yeah. seems like a real violation of the story Bible, which we've read through. And there is a bonus episode of if you subscribe to our Patreon, you can get access to that. Shout out. Good plug, good plug. Thank yeah. you. But um, um, because they didn't want to reuse original series enemies. They wanted yep. to come up with completely new storylines and new beings. So um, this was actually at a point where Gene Roddenberry felt comfortable enough, according to Star Trek The Next Generation, the continuing mission, uh, to let them bring the Romulans back because he was so hesitant about they wanted Star Trek to be accept- uh, the next generation specifically to be accepted on its own without mm-hmm. uh, riding just on the coattails of old Star Trek. But by this time, he felt they'd finally gotten their legs under them. So he's like, go for it with the Romulans. And they were allowed to. What is this you reference? Was this a documentary? It's actually a book, I believe. Star Trek, The Next Generation, The Continuing Mission. I pull all these little factoids from Memory Alpha, which I feel is the kind of undisputed source of all this stuff. For Uh, sure. If there's things are wrong, I could could be wrong. (laughs) I'm just going to let that happen. I'm not going to do too much more research beyond that. (laughs) I assume the nerds got it. You know, if a wiki's wrong, there's... (laughs) And a tree falls in the These forest. Pretty... No one's there to correct it. <laughs> yeah. It's not my job. If someone says bullshit on a podcast and only 1,500 <laughs> people listen to it, does it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, like, I think the concept of this episode, specifically the the A plot or the B plot, I don't know, the one with the defrosted. Uh, See, I, I consider I'm them A. a. Because, yeah, we spent so much more time with them, you know? Right. So I feel like that could have been a strong episode had it been earlier in the season to introduce people to the concept of Star Trek. And, like, this is a great way to set up, oh, we don't deal with those problems anymore. Now we're dealing with the new ones. And and they're doing it at the end of the season. So when you don't have writers writing the episode, you just think... Well, what if I were there? And I, they, I think that they had the uh, Western singer, who's my favorite character yeah, in this episode, oh. LQ uh, Sonny Clemens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that they really just figured, let's go with that perspective. What if yeah. we were on the Enterprise because of freezing? Right. <laughs> Well, uh, let's let's go through it. So they find some space debris while waiting for Picard to return from some conference, and they inspect it and find out, oh, there's actually people on board who are frozen. Really, Data was the one that yeah. pushed to inspect. Riker said, this, you better be back before Captain Picard's ready to go. This is a great example of Data expressing like a want and a need beyond just like uh, the mission parameters or an order. Uh, Data feels like and and has feelings about like I want to go and explore what this thing is and being confronted with uh, uh, these people that were frozen some of them survived some of them didn't had the thought we should do something that's not a computer thinking that is like a human thinking Mm -hmm. yeah real wants and needs Mm mm-hmm 
Well, we get to see what a Klingon thinks when they inspect <laughs> the uh, the satellite, and uh, Worf tries the door by simply walking into it, which I thought. Yeah, was <laughs> yeah, it's a that, really good that time. Nose, nose so to satisfying. door, it will not open. And Data's all, <laughs> yeah. I think I have a plan. Whoa, whoa. Turns knob. <laughs> Handle is this what is the also device is. how every D and D party handles like the door to the dungeon. <laughs> Should we smash Check for it? traps? I don't see any. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a push or a pull? <laughs> uh, also, side note, they they start um, wiping away the frost on freezers and finding <laughs> skeletons. Pretty sure one of those has to be Walt Disney because we know for a fact he's cryogenically frozen somewhere. Right, and, and they might as well be on a ship yeah. in space. <laughs> well, this is to avoid power outages, which is a very smart plan. There's always infinite powder, power in space. Uh, it's just not affected by it. There's solar power, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. even mentioned solar panels on the outside. And I you think. can dart around solar flares that way, which are <laughs> a real terrifying thing. So they bring these uh, three. I guess they're not survivors because they're dead. There was a little bit of weird science magic. Res- there was. I called it medical resurrection, actually. Yeah. Well, we right? know Bev, Bev Crush can bring bodies back to life <laughs> if they Ducky are Crush? freshly dead. <laughs> Dr. Crush yeah. and I can, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So they were freshly dead. She was like, all these problems, so easy for me to fix. People never die in this <laughs> this century. Yeah, it's pretty convenient. But uh, we learned that these three, uh, one of them was, her occupation was homemaker, which must be some type of construction must work, be. I believe, right? Must mm-hmm. be. Basically. Love that joke. Yeah. Uh, the other guy was in finance. And then LQ Sunny Clemens, this was a, this was a very strange reaction. Because they could find the least information about with, um, him. So they know so little. They can presume so few ideas. But they do know his like organs were ravaged from chemical abuse. And so their conclusion is, sounds like someone who hated life. He was right. too afraid to live, too, too scared, scared to, to die. die. <laughs> Holy fuck. So like, you good. judgmental so sons of bitches. Judgmental. I know. But that is a song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, all oh, yeah, that, was that was listed in his personal history was just l- those lyrics. And she, yeah, she yeah, was like, yeah. I don't know where I heard and this. And a crying emoticon. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think the name LQ stands for? Larry Qu- Quinn. Quincy. Yeah. L- Leonard, Larry Leonard Quincy. Quincy. Ooh, Leonard Quincy. Cool. Ooh, Leonard Quincy. Mm. Yeah. And Sonny. He has so many names. Actually, let's see if Memory Alpha has it. I bet you they probably do. You know, yeah. you know they have any information that might be out there. <laughs> and it's not hooey hogwash malarkey or intentional fabrication. <laughs> Gosh, some of his moments were a little, were a lot. LQ? You know, what, yeah. you know what made them a lot? You know what made them a lot? Was the, the guitar twang after half of his lines. Yeah, Wait, was there really? Accent. I didn't even notice because it felt so right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's like we have such beautiful synth and like orchestral music in Star Trek, and it's very eighties and uh, early nineties in terms of its its datedness occasionally, especially <laughs> in this first season. But I do love it. But then when this guitar and occasionally a very slight piano will augment in here too, it's just like, what sitcom does this just become? <laughs> yeah, that 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 same trope shows up in a few different characters. Sometimes a character will get their own sort of musical motif. Mm-hmm. Specifically, if you look at Star Trek Voyager, Chakotay has this pan flute 
thing that happens oh, every no. time. Oh, yeah, 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 every yeah, time yeah. he appears on screen. On screen. Oh. So Claire Raymond, the uh, construction worker slash homemaker, she died suddenly of an embolism, which is super <laughs> sad. I wonder if her husband, Donald, also made her get that terrible haircut. Oh, it's a great haircut. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, only so many people can pull off a fashion mullet. And you know oh. what? After she wakes up, it's a little more styled. In in yeah. the coffin, the cryo coffin, that's a ru- that's I wrote, a woman with a bad haircut lives. <laughs> yeah, but we can't all wake up like yeah, this. Yeah, there is she- something really tragic about the fact that she her the whole thing was she had Two boys. She died very suddenly at age thirty-five from an embolism, yeah. a brain em, brain embolism, or whatever. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm no. I'm no doctor. Bev Crush and um, her husband Donald, who never did anything right, decided to freeze his unexpectedly dead wife at this young age. His heart must have been so broken that he put all of their life savings into freezing her body. It's so sad. This is. So, uh, such a likely scenario. I think it's so believable and it's so interesting to see it from her perspective because I think traditionally we would see like this sort of flashback of this grieving husband who lost his wife and put everything into this. But like, what is she supposed to do? Like she's been thrust into this future without asking for it. Everyone she knows is dead. Like it's, it's really tragic, but also interesting, an interesting exploration. Yeah. It was nice that, yeah, it was nice to have a perspective of just um, a person who didn't, wasn't defined by their profession like the other two were. Or that's like, true. Or how so and many of us define ourselves. <laughs> yeah, well, she's going to have the easiest time blending into this society because she already gets it. Like, she is like, you just have to make make your environment happy, you know, but, and, and try to better yourself. And that's why she has such deep sadness that her whole meaning, which she's very aware of, is tied to other people and how she can, like, how she exists in the world it, is just to live her life and be done with it. And so she didn't want this immortality. Ugh. Right. Ugh. It's so easy to be sympathetic with her, too, because the two guys are just the worst. Okay, LQ, <laughs> I want to hate, um, because I think our politics today would not align, and I love him. I love him a lot. Yeah. He just wants to have a party, man. Yeah, I guess that's what I relate to about LQ. Now, he's really upset that they ain't got no TV on the communicator, uh, right. and wonders what they do for fun if they don't drink. Uh he just has so many good lines. This computer made yeah. the best. What was his drink? A martini. It was a martini. martini. Martini I've ever had. With two olives for the vitamins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know when he says when he says what do you what do you do if you can't drink or watch TV? Do you know what the next shot is, Becca? It's a shot of Riker sitting at a desk with the tri-dimensional chess right next to him. <gasps> yeah. It's like there's a board game right, right there, people. Love it, love it. Yes, <laughs> good it. call. Um, can I? I, I wrote down my favorite line of his. Uh, okay, so Data's about to leave the room, and he says, why don't you come back later on? You and me will find a couple of low-mileage pit woofies and help them find a memory. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what's a pit woofie, and how are you going to find out a memory? <laughs> I suspect that's gibberish. <laughs> I think, or my, my thing was that, oh, they're trying to allude to he's this rock and roll sort of country musician, and it's like a groupie type of yes, thing. Yes, yeah. what I thought. Uh uh, but like that was one of them and they sort of go into like what is this but there was a he also had a moment that made me audibly gasp was when he smacked dr crusher on the ass as oh, yeah. he was walking by i was like whoa i had totally forgotten that happened you're the and cutest just, little doctor i've ever seen what like whoa and she has the this like you did not 
what just yeah. happened face, which is, you know... <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't ridiculous. phase him back to his frozen, <laughs> frozen version Whoops, right my then. phaser was still set to st- kill. Whoops. <laughs> well, she is a woman of the 24th century, and she is better self-disciplined than that, which is right. a nice point Picard made to Richie, who's so mm-hmm. eager to figure out where his money situation is oh that he, he actually starts phoning everybody on the Can show. I get a phone? Dude, you understand it's been 400 years. What? No. Yeah. I don't know why well, they just won't tell him, look, there is no such thing as a personal economy yeah. anymore. Like, yeah. Eventually Picard kind of alludes to it, but he's just like, it's gone, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. you can just, if you want an apple, you can eat an apple. Like it's not a problem, <laughs> but he doesn't, a- he wants, he wants a boat, I guess. No, I don't know. it's, it's, it's not power. about the things, the possessions. It's about the power, which we already know. And power. yet it translates into so many possessions in our current world. <laughs> But I do love that I do love that Picard didn't lock him out of it. He's like, no, we have self discipline in this right. era. And like that's so cool. They it's don't like, even yeah, have the lock button because they didn't know they needed it. <laughs> and really, frankly, right. they're idiots and I have a lot of comments about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is where it comes into play the Picard doesn't like kids type of thing, because they're in the society where treating them like children would be, well, we have the discipline to not use the comm system, so we're not going to do it. And then you just trust that the child understands for the betterment because they grew up in the society. So that's his sort of attempt of treating them like a kid, and it totally doesn't work. Well, he even says, he says, we grew out of our infancy. (laughs) Yeah. And like that kind of hangs in the air for a moment. snap, yeah. But Ralph from 55... Still doesn't understand this financier who's in Jake's <laughs> right. background today, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do want to comment that it does bring up this interesting juxtaposition because we we laugh at him and like, oh, the stock market and these institutions that he put so much faith into, uh, the again, this pomp and circumstance, and, and it's still happening. Like, um, he tries to walk onto the bridge and it's just like, understood that you don't go on the bridge and yet uh, no door was know, locked uh, on any part no locked, like yeah. even they should have had someone stationed for these three people who are out of time and don't understand anything about the protocol right there were a lot of plot holes with the whole security procedure but what i'm saying is like the 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 belief system that they had he he still possessed that he just put it into the stock market or into you know, something that was intangible. Well, I thought that was interesting that each, all three of them had different perspectives on the cryogenic portion of it, right? So he was the one who prepared for it. He yeah. expected it and expected an outcome in the end. So he was ready to like let those plans happen. He had made, uh, he had made accommodations for himself. Whereas uh, Clemens, he knew about it as well and was interested, but he didn't even think it would work. And right. then um, what was uh, her name? Claire. Poor Claire, she didn't even know anything about it. So there, yeah. there's three very different perceptions of what's going yeah, on. I wanna, so I think that it helps explain. I want to go back just a step to what we were talking about, about the expectation of behavior, which I did rail mm-hmm. against, like, why didn't they lock these doors? But what Picard is espousing <laughs> goes hand in hand with the disintegration of personal wealth. And it is this idea that's being talked about in our culture right now. I know I talk about mm-hmm. UBI a lot, and I'm going to do it again, because inherent with <laughs> that idea is belief that people can do the right thing when faith is put in them, when when people are not suspected of doing the worst, and when expectations of an individual are high, people will rise to meet those expectations. If you expect someone to steal from you and lock everything up, then it's like, oh, well, you think I'm a criminal? 
let me just do what you expect then. That's that's a big principle of universal basic income and just the idea of giving people money because they know what's best for themselves instead of like uh, food stamps that only allow you to buy a certain brand of uh, milk that's 2% and nothing else. And then when you peel that back even further, you, you try to see what is the layer that creates this distrust and it might be like the media that we're consuming, whether it be... Uh, reports from the news or or wherever it's coming in but these these inherent uh, fear of of other humans taking our stuff or we need to have the best things in order to portray success a lot of that is coming from the media pressure that we get or the that we're exposed to so when you have something like star trek which clearly is exposing that um it, it starts these conversations of like why don't we have a universal basic income amen and it's a good question. Amen. Well, I just love the idea that they're already positing that a utopia is not only possible, it it, it works and mm-hmm. uh, is something to aspire to. And and then that he he can just flat out say, look, we don't we don't have those issues anymore. We don't want uh, because we solved that. You know, he, he even says he even says we can't afford this continuing distraction. He's kind of talking down to him like a kid again. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down this continuing distraction is the A plot of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We like I the Romulans now only feel like a side story and they are technically more important. They're, I mean this episode's called the neutral zone, but we you wouldn't even know that most of this is actually about these people assimilating back into this other Right. Lifetime. Well, uh that's has to do with the writer strike, but also Ralph does listen and he doesn't use the communicator for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. He just barges he around just wherever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> he escapes through a door oh. that was never locked in the first place but yes That's well true. but he i guess provides his worth right by like just coming onto the bridge and then saying when the romulans who finally appear on screen that hey they don't know either what's well let's on. get back to this yeah. b plot or c plot or whatever it is what is happening in the neutral zone the namesake of the episode <laughs> it just it all goes so fast becca um yeah it's it's like it's every single time we talk about them we just kind of surmise our background knowledge about the romulans because we haven't met them or we haven't talked to them for like 50 years or something yeah like 53. 53 yeah 53 so um all we know is that they're still out there and we we used to be antagonists with them so now because all of our star bases are being uh we're losing contact with them on the neutral zone we need to go and investigate and we actually meet them which is a very impressive reveal we haven't seen a romulan ship at no. this point yet and yeah. it's really cool looking like the, the i don't know if you've seen the old romulan warboard warbirds from the original series but uh <laughs> they look like <laughs> 60s motorcycles that have uh romulan or that have warbirds painted on the back of them. yeah well we don't know their capabilities after 53 years and they don't know ours so they're probably uh w- Worf surmises that maybe they are the ones that have taken these four outposts out of commission in the neutral zone. And so that's why they're they're ready. They're on yellow alert on the whole ship. And um and and Riker's really scheming that maybe they want to get all the tech advancements because they know the Enterprise or some really cool ship like that is gonna come in. So they gotta really be ready. And then their ship, you know they are more advanced in tech because it is glowing green. <laughs> that's the key yeah. once you get to the glowing green stage that's a new level absolutely it is very clearly so <laughs> you know what you're not wrong and you'll be proven right throughout star trek so you just created you're right yeah we spend most of this episode just kind of building them up and then they do have a really badass reveal but it turns out guess what they aren't responsible and they're having 
issues as well. Oh, well, we're not really sure at first when we talked to the Romulans. They seem like they also have had outposts that are missing and maybe they know something. But really, it's Ralph, the time traveler, that <laughs> barges his way onto the bridge. Picard says, get him off. Two officers come over and are hand stand him. There. <laughs> they grab him and then he says, I will not be sent away or something. And they're yeah. just like... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. No, he. Oh, sorry, oh, Captain. He says uh, he's not going anywhere. So sorry. Yeah. In our utopia, we can't make him. Mm, so. Yeah, it's utopia. <laughs> but he's like, uh, obviously, they're trying to negotiate, and they're too proud to say that they have no idea what's going on either, because he's using <laughs> his background in finance. <laughs> this is such like a white guy like writer thing to do is like well we'll prove that this is the true knowledge of the universe right is to see through deceit <laughs> the man who has all the money he knows what's really going on let's go with that plot Barf. yeah <laughs> no yeah this this scene this whole setup felt the weakest to me of like i think i saw what they were trying to do of like justify him being there and and that he's got a point of view and a perspective that they don't understand, but like, yeah, yeah it was it was clearly a day and a half rewrite. Like that, yeah. that's just what happened, unfortunately. But it is a, it was still a somewhat dramatic ending to the first season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. So well, and Captain Picard once again, like always, he steps in and he tries some diplomatic approach that's never been tried before and may just work. He says, "How about we work together?" Ooh, we gotta do it to him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think that this sort of sets up this the um, like thesis statement moving forward because it is the season finale. Picard like pretty much looks at the camera, going like, "Well, things are about to look get very interesting around here, isn't it?" Yeah, <laughs> I feel like conspiracy would have been a better ending, right? Like the penultimate episode was like a much more dramatic end yeah. to the first season. And had such a cliffhanger but maybe it had already aired who knows with writer strikes and contracts why that was the one that was ready to air at this particular time but absolutely these these two last episodes their placement really should have been switched for maximum drama yeah i th again I, I stand behind this type of type of episode should have been explored at, like episode three or four mm -hmm. of, of next gen yeah it feels like they were i don't know they had to drop the borg so like what do we fill it with well there's this other whole script we could squeeze in yeah. here <laughs> yeah yeah um well friends guess what not only was that just that episode that was the first season uh, of star trek the next we've generation we've done it you Yay. guys jake achievement sander unlocked. you brought me to this point in my life where i now have the knowledge of one full season of starfleet and i feel empowered uh, of star yes of star trek star even. trek i meant starfleet knowledge you're right. You're right. You know, yes, at this point, right. Becca, the doors to your quarters, they're not locked. Wow. Wow. Okay, well, uh, I think that's for me to decide. My body. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the turbo lift doors, they're not locked. <laughs> you could go anywhere. JK, JK, you can unlock my doors. Well, maybe I'll just throw Jordy through them. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> you have so much adrenaline, Xander. <laughs> uh, can you turn around to show us the back of your neck? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, what do we do next, Jake? Are we ever going to well, have any more show to do after this? 
We are. I think we're going to take a very short break, and then we're going to be back next week with season two. I'm not even going to preview the next season's episode because I want us to go into it a little blind. We don't even know what's mm. going to happen. Maybe mm-hmm. there's going to be some changes. A few changes, I think. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> I'm very excited. For I'm it. excited for your ignorance of this, Becca. Like, I like to, I like going through this with you when you don't know some of the details that Xander and I can barely remember, or Xander yeah, probably yeah. more specifically. Uh, <laughs> so I'm very pumped for this. Season yeah. two. It, so. it is my pleasure that you find delight in my ignorance. <laughs> and I would just like to say a little message to our listeners Thank you so much for coming on this season one journey with us. We hope that you stick around because we're going to keep doing this for many more seasons. Obviously, there's so many to go. And uh, just want to give a shout out that um, we really, really appreciate if you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because that's a great way to help other people discover us. And if you're interested in seeing video versions, we are posting them to our Patreon for Good Time Society. There's also bonus episodes available of to boldly watch first up we have our story bible episode where all three of us take apart the writer and director's guide to season one of star trek it was a whole lot of fun (laughs) uh you can also get that on our patreon yeah and you can also follow the podcast on spotify which i just learned uh which is a great way to sort of keep up with with everything as well and if you do so we will unlock your cabin doors (laughs) because <laughs> they're locked right now they are until locked. you learn your lesson mm-hmm. <laughs> so you stay in your quarters and eagerly await season two which will have a uh, brand new episode well brand new episodes for us but very old episodes of star trek we're really excited <laughs> to see what happens let's uh let's make it so make, make it, it so, so. <laughs> <laughs>